0: Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm here now with Professor Michael Farrell. He's an addiction scientist. He's the director of the National Drug and Alcohol Research Centre at UNSW in Sydney. Hi, Michael. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hi, Andre. Great to be with you.
0: So this is a really exciting week for The Lancet. You've produced this drug series, 20th Century Drug Views, no longer fit for purpose. Why?
1: Well, so what we did with the drug series was we, it's part of a... A series called a call to action so we wanted to take stock of all the available evidence around opiates stimulants cannabis and new psychoactive substances and state where we need to be going and basically the key messages were that um, the problem is getting worse particularly around the stimulants globally and in opiates in North America and that the policies are not fit to purpose and one of the key issues in that is that the in terms of getting people treatment a lot of the structures we have are actually preventing people from getting into treatment so we were in the series which is available on open access through the Lancet website we actually have a state-of-the-art comprehensive review and behind each of those reviews is nearly 20 other systematic reviews that fed into those specific reviews. So we think they're the absolute state-of-the-art on the knowledge on those topics at the moment.
0: And do you think addiction science is robust? You say there's systematic reviews. Do you think we've got good enough evidence to, to inform our decision making?
1: Well, we have, we have what evidence we have. The word we use is best available evidence. But one of the key messages we have is that the even with the evidence we have, it's not being implemented properly. And we particularly were highly critical of issues like um, compulsory, compulsory detention in the Asia-Pacific region. Nearly half a million people in compulsory detention, and we know it does not work, it doesn't do anything. So... And we know that uh, the rates of imprisonment for people with drug problems are very high. And the whole message is that the treatments we should be providing, uh, healthcare-based, best-available evidence treatment and also harm-reduction services around needle exchange, around supervised injecting, around whatever harm-reduction. And one of the other critical things for us in terms of stimulants is that a lot of the mental health problems around stimulants do not get treated. Suicidal thinking, depression, psychosis, and there's very good evidence that things work, but they're not delivered because the systems are not working in an integrated fashion. So one of the key messages is to give proper uh, evidence-based mental health care for people with drug problems and not to be discriminating against drug users.
0: Ian Hamilton, who blogged about the series for me on the Mental Health website, made this point about um, the executions that have happened recently in the Philippines, and he spoke about politicians who use drugs to promote their own careers. Yes. What can we do to influence a reform of drug policy that focuses on the good of the people rather than politics?
1: Well, the, the problem we have is that addictions, Sorry, politicians are addicted to uh, harmful rhetoric. And what we actually need is a complete switch around on that from the point of view of taking the... So if we look at the global spend, if we look at Europe, we look at the United States, 70% of drug policy money is spent on enforcement and less than 30% on treatment, prevention and harm reduction. We've been saying this for decades, and what we actually need is a far greater allocation of those resources into treatment, prevention and harm reduction. And also, the other thing we need to understand is that addictions is one of the great challenges of the 21st century, and we need, um, ma- we need a massive uh, creative research investment in this Area to, in the same way that we might have done with uh, cardiovascular disease or other things in the 20th century. The 21st century should be the era in which, using a lot of available new methods, including stuff we've seen here today like robots, new technologies for interventions, accessible interventions through technologies, all these things, and also a whole host of. Potential new um, innovations—that's what we want to see.
0: We've seen a lot over the last ten or fifteen years about um, anti-stigma programs mm. and focusing on reducing stigma in mental health. Um, and I guess that's focused primarily on kind of common mental health problems. It doesn't seem to have reached severe mental illness or addiction. And you had a real focus in the in the series on treating people humanely. Why is that so
1: key? So one of the important aspects of the series was we went to a lot of uh, trouble to have very clear consultation with consumers and users and people who inject drugs. And we think that's another absolutely critical part of making uh, services in the future fit for purposes. They can only be made fit for purpose if we are uh, in, in deep partnership with uh, service users and consumers and that. And we, we, that was a very important principle of the series.
0: And how can we ensure that the workforce that we have feel empathy for this population? Well,
1: it's one thing the workforce within the addictions field, but the workforce in the general health field... Um, reflects the prejudice and stigma of the general population and a lot of people with serious addiction problems going through um, general health care get very badly treated for that purpose and it actually is a serious barrier to them obtaining help and support to stabilise and improve their health.
0: So that's about co-production. You said you you consulted with people when you produced this series. Did you kind of co-produce the series with people with lived experience? This conference doesn't really have any people with lived experience. It it strikes me that addiction research and science and academia is still quite removed from that real frontline discussion.
1: Um, But what we actually did was we developed, um, we consulted on drafts, but we also had panels within the paper. Of vo- we wanted to have the voice of users remember this is a, this is a global review, and we were very keen for our um, lower middle income countries, so we had people from Iran and we'd, we have quotes from people in South America in different places um, and um, that was about as far as we i think the whole process of working in partnership with um, consumer groups and people who use drugs is really important and i think um we we need to get a lot better at it i think some of the mental health field has been uh, is well ahead but they've had a fair amount of institutional support to develop that i think we need to do a hell of a lot more on that.
0: so if, if this podcast is being listened to by a policymaker a politician who's considering reforming drug policy locally what are your top tips for them
1: well, the top tips are we need to make treatment as user friendly, flexible, accessible, and non discriminatory, and we need to hear from users what they want and make sure we give it to them.